Well, good morning, everyone. Everybody's looking at me like you haven't seen me for a while. I haven't been here for a little bit, but um, it's great to be back here this morning. Hey, if you would, grab the card that's on your seat that looks like this one, the little light blue one here. Um, this really isn't for you, although you can have it and put it on your, your refrigerator, but this is for you to take with you to actually give to somebody else. So I don't want to see any leftover here in the sanctuary today. Um, because it does no good for them to be here in the sanctuary. This needs to go to a person because next Sunday we are starting the two services, 9.30 and 11.30, so we've got to make sure we get the word out. So if you come here at 10.30, you're going to be in trouble because you're in between services. So next Sunday, 9.30 to 11.30, also we're sending mailers out all over this area, so you should be getting mailers in, in your box here this week. Social media already has it ramping up. If you're on social media, you'll see different advertisements about this. But we're just trying to make space and make room um, for people that want to come to church and make sure you have room on in your, your little rows for your family. So please take this with you. Give this to somebody. Invite somebody um, to come with you and just say, uh, why don't you come with me next Sunday to church? It's going to be fantastic. We're starting a new series next Sunday that I think is really going to be helpful for all of us. And over this last couple of weeks, we've been doing this little mini-series that we've been calling You Asked For It. Um, because back in Easter, for those of you who were around during Easter Sunday, we did a survey asking you what messages you would like us to preach on. Um, there are always some things that are in our hearts and things that we feel like God's speaking to us that we want to impart to you. But I think it's also important to hear from you to see what are some things you want us to teach on, to preach on. And so that's just what this little mini-series has been all about. And so we've been kind of doing this uh, countdown to the number one topic that you chose. And so a couple weeks ago, we did the number four topic, which was dealing with difficult people, which I just laughed that that was one of the topics that you all wanted us to speak on. And then last week, Pastor Ross spoke on marriage and family and relationships and all those types of things. And, and then um, uh, here this morning, I'm going to talk with you about the number two topic that you asked for us to speak on, which is handling stress. Again, I have to chuckle a little bit because all of us who drive Highway 71, <laughs> I think you guys inflated the numbers on this topic. And if it wasn't just the driving of Highway 71, now we have to contend with no gas in the gas stations. <laughs> On a 71, I was one of those here on Thursday that was trying to get to Kyle for Thursday night worship, and I came here knowing I needed to get gas before I went down to Kyle, and it's about an hour's drive to Kyle from here, and I had less than a fourth of a tank, and I get a call from my wife in the middle of the day saying, you better get gas before you leave because Austin gas stations are shutting down. Well, in my head, I'm thinking hardly anything about it, to be, to be frank about it. <laughs> Um, because, I mean, seriously, who does a run on gas? I mean, this is Texas. I mean, we have more than enough of everything. And, and so I had a meeting with a bunch of people, and some were coming from Marble Falls, some were coming from, from Austin, where I'm in this meeting here at the office, and they're talking about all these gas stations that have huge lines in them. And I said, well, i got to get to Kyle. He said, well, you better get it out here because you start heading to Austin, you're not going to get any gas. And I, so I thought, well, I'll start down here at the end, here by the river, and get some gas down there. And so this was about five, a quarter to five, five o'clock or whatever, that I leave. 
and I, I drove down, drive, drive down here, and it's the lines are all the way up 71, all the way down the road here. People are fighting, they're cursing, they're yelling at each other, trying to get gas. So, everybody take a deep breath. We're going to talk about handling stress. Can we do that here this morning? There's an institute called the Stress Institute. I have to laugh that there's actually an institute <laughs> that deals with um, talking about stress. And according to the Stress Institute, 44% of Americans say that they're more stressed today than they were five years ago. Or maybe we can put it this way, we're more stressed today than we were a week ago. <laughs> But if you think about that, 44% say they're more stressed today than they were five years ago. If that's true, that means the stress levels in most of us are increasing at a rate of 10% each year. Okay, I still want to live a, bit, a little bit longer, um, and so I don't want my stress levels to go up 10% every year. In fact, they say that one out of every five Americans say that they, are, they experience extreme stress. One out of every five, which means that they're showing physical signs of not being able to sleep and heart palpitations and depression and anxiety. One out of every five Americans are experiencing that. I mean, I think this is pretty epidemic when you start to think about these types of things. In addition, let's say that 60% of all illnesses and diseases have their root in stress. 60%. Of all illnesses and disease have their root based in stress. How many want to physically feel better? Come on. When you think about it, 60% of the illnesses and diseases that you experience are a result of stress. So there's something we can do about it. So obviously, this is a relevant topic for every one of us. And the good news is that God has a lot to say about this for ourselves and how we are to live our lives. So I want to talk about that here this morning. Before, before I do that and get into Scripture... I want to kind of look at what are the stresses that tend to cause our heart and, and uh, those things, those levels to start increasing. What are those stresses in our life? Where are those things coming from? Well, for a lot of us, our stresses come from relationships and conflicts in those relationships, which is the reason why I think you chose the topic of dealing with difficult people as one of the top topics you want us to talk about, and then the next topic of marriage, family, and relationships, because the reality is so much of our stress comes from our relationships and conflict with relationships. For some of you, your stress is because you are married. <laughs> so you're sitting beside your stress this morning. For others of you, your stress comes from the fact that you're not married. And so whether you're married or not married, I'm, uh, it, it, there's just stress. All that is there. For others of you, your stress comes from deadlines. And some of you are thinking already of the things you got to get done today or get done this week. Legal problems are another cause for stress. Divorce is another huge cause of stress. For some of you, stress is caused because you have a new job. <laughs> So you have a new job and it's creating all this stress, but for others of you, you're stressed because of your old job. Um, it's creating a lot of stress in your life. Illnesses causes stress. Parenting. How many of your parents know that that's stressful? <laughs> the younger your kids are, the more physically stressful it is. The older your kids are, the emotionally and mental stress increases, right? 
Parenting is stressful. Expectations of others create stress, where you're trying to always do what people are expecting you to do. Everybody wants something from you. And then here's a big one. Unresolved sin is actually in the top list of things that cause stress. We carry this guilt. We carry all this shame. And it's going to wear you out. And so the truth is there's all these different sources that come and are really fighting at us that causes our blood pressure to boil and causes all the stress in our lives. And like I said, the Bible talks a lot about this. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised that this is something that we are going to experience. John 16, verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble or you're going to have stress, but take heart I have overcome the world. Now think about what Jesus is talking about here because it's really important for us to understand what Jesus is saying here because Jesus is saying, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have stress in this world, but in him you can find peace. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have stress, but there's a solution in this. You're not just a victim of these things because in Him, you can find peace. See, I can't promise you that your circumstances are going to change. But I can promise you that there is peace available to you in the midst of those circumstances. That I can promise you. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So I think for so many people... Especially if you're a Christian, you're going around, why is this happening? You know, I, you know, I, I, I kind of think that as Christians, we think that God's going to take care of everything. and I shouldn't have problems. And I shouldn't have stress. And so for a lot of people, they think, well, because I read my Bible, because I go to church, because I pray, then these bad things aren't going to happen. But notice what the psalmist says. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So the thing is, the reason why we pray, the reason why we go to church, the reason why we read our Bible is so that we can experience the last part of what this verse says, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. See, the closer you get to God doesn't cause these problems and difficulties to cease, but the closer you get to God, the more it'll give you the capacity in the midst of those difficult circumstances to stand strong. That word, affliction, here in this verse, is the word, the Hebrew word, ra. And it comes from the Assyrian word that means torture. And it actually is this physical picture of tying you up to a post. And you're tied up to this post, and then these rocks are beginning to be piled upon you until there's so many rocks on you that it crushes you to death. For some of you, that's exactly how you feel even today. You feel like if one more thing comes into your life, it will crush you. That's how much stress and strain that's going on in your life. And I want you to know there's a solution. In the midst of all these things that are going, there's, there's a place where you can find peace in the midst of these things. And so I want to give you some of these biblical principles and some of the promises from Scripture that I think are really going to help you. Look at this in Psalms chapter 62. You look at it here on the screen. And can we just read this out loud here together? Say this with me, starting in verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress 
I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Selah. Now stop right there. That word selah is an interesting word, because remember the Psalms were songs that were sung. And so this was a song that was being sung, and selah was a musical term that meant to stop, to pause, to reflect, to meditate on what was just said or what was just sung. And so the psalmist in the song is describing, you have this proclamation, you declare that God is my refuge, my strong, that strong tower that I can go to. And they said, stop and think about these things, that there is a place that you can go to where you can find rest for your soul. Folks, in the midst of your stress and your difficulty, it's important to remind you that there's a place that you can go to where you can find rest for your soul, where you can experience that peace. Verse 9, let's say it, say it with me. Low-born men are but a breath. The high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Now, the psalmist gives us here two main culprits that steal our peace. And I want to kind of go through these real quick here for you. Because the, the most, the number one, most of our stress comes from the use of our time. Most of our stress comes from time. Now, I'm going to give you two culprits. But if you want to put it in your margin there, the third culprit, which we've already talked about, are relationships. Relationships are one of the top three that causes stress. But in addition to relationships, the next one is our use of time. And let me just say to you as your pastor that if you're experiencing all this increasing of stress then you can't keep doing all that you're currently doing. You know, it is foolishness, it is insanity to think that you can keep doing the same thing over and over and over, but yet expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. And so when your time gets out of order, it's important for us to stop and evaluate. Because here's the thing, we have to get to a place where we say, I'm going to figure out what my life is all about. And I'm going to focus my time and energy on those things, and I'm going to stop doing everything that everybody else is trying to get me to do. Until that happens, then if we, until we settle those issues and get our life back in balance like that, you're just going to constantly get burnt out. And in Daniel chapter 5, there's a book in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, and it's, a, it's an interesting story in Daniel chapter 5 because this king is completely out of order. He's got his life out of balance. And in the middle of this party, this large hand comes and begins to write something on the wall. And everybody in the party notices this is going on because this big hand comes out and begins just to write. I mean, that'll get your attention, right? But it's in a language nobody understands. They don't know what it is. And so they ask all the wise people, what's going on? And nobody knows what's going on. But God gives Daniel the interpretation of what was written there on the wall. Look at this in Daniel chapter 5. And listen to Daniel's interpretation of what was written. Verse 25 says, this is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekal, peraz. Here is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekal, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Peraz, 
Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Now, we can reduce this really to things that I think is really applicable for, for every one of us. Because the writing on the wall was in essence saying to the king that his days were numbered, his life was out of balance, and if he didn't do something about it, it was going to cost him dearly. This was the prophetic word that appeared to him in a very dramatic fashion. And I think I can speak those words over to every one of us here today because your days are numbered. And the reality is that our lives get out of order and out of balance. And if you don't do something about it, it's going to cost you dearly. And I think for some of you, this is a prophetic warning that God is speaking to you even here this morning. Your life is out of order. It's out of balance. And if you don't do something about it, if you don't have the perspective that your days are numbered, if you don't change your schedule and change your plans, then it's going to end up costing you dearly. Some of you need to hear that prophetic warning and take it seriously for yourself. And to honestly evaluate your schedule. Evaluate what's going on. And if it's out of balance then take the time to make some course adjustments. And then the second stress-inducing culprit that the psalmist exposes is money. Money. And that's why for every single one of us, it's important that we regularly look at where your money is going and how you're spending your money. Now, if you've never taken financial peace, let me just stop and say it's really important that you do something like this. Because for so many of us, money is a thing that gets out of order. And so as a result, we end up doing some really stupid things with our finances. Financial peace is an incredible thing that will be happening here this fall. It starts September, Monday, Monday night, September 18th, every single Monday night. Jim, Jim Young, is Jim here in the, off, in here in the sanctuary? Jim's way back. Stand up real quick so everybody can see you. Jim is leading the class on Monday nights this fall. And I want to encourage you, if you've never gone through financial peace, sign up and be a part of that group on Monday nights. It's really important. First Timothy chapter 6. Verse 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. How many of you have heard of the guy um, who thought he could take his money with him? You heard the story before? This man had made a lot of money, and uh, he had acquired a whole bunch of things, but he was dying. And so he had this conversation with his wife and made her promise him that when he died, that she would put all of his money in his casket with him so that he could take it to the afterlife. He made her sign a contract. He made her make this promise. And he really strong-armed her into agreeing that she would do this after he died. Well, he died. And uh, after the funeral ceremony, right before the undertakers were getting to close the casket, the wife said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have something here I need to do. And she had brought this box with her. And so she got up and came forward and put this box inside of the casket. And then the undertakers closed the casket and locked it and then rolled it on out of the service. Well, everybody ended up leaving and one of her close friends who had known what the husband had done it to her, she came up to her and said, you seriously didn't put all of his money in that casket with him, did you? And she goes, well, I promise, I'm a Christian, and I promise 
that I, I gave him my word that that's exactly what I would do. And she goes, you, you didn't put all of his money there in that casket, did you? And she said, I had to fulfill my word. So I took all of his money and I put it into my account. And then I took out a check and put a million dollars on it with his name on it, put it in the box and put it in the casket. How many know you can't take it with you? You just can't take it with you. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, folks, that's what money does. Money can do that too. And as a matter of fact, money is the number one cause of conflict in marriages and it's the number one cause of divorce in marriage. So when we don't have money in its proper order, it can create enormous stress in our lives. And so time and money, relationships, these are the things that create all the stress in our lives. And so how do I find peace for my soul in the midst of all of this? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. How many want to find rest for your souls? That's it? Only two of you. <laughs> I love this passage. Because it's, if you want to find rest for your souls, stop at that crossroads of your life. Stop. And I think that's something that every one of us need to do even here this morning. Stop at this crossroads of your life and look at the ancient paths. In other words, look at the biblical principles and promises for how we are to live our lives. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to give you just kind of three really big ideas of putting rest again in your soul. Number one, live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Live with a sense of purpose and urgency. In other words, one of the best ways for you to figure out what to do with your time and your energy is to figure out what your life is all about. Because if you'll figure out what your life is all about, then it makes it so much easier to say yes to certain things and no to certain other things. Because now I'm making decisions about my time and my money, not just on the whim, not just on pressures, not on people's expectations of me, but I'm making these decisions based upon, does it contribute to my purpose? Is this adding to my purpose? Is this part of my purpose? And then as a result, that's how I'm going to spend my money. That's how I'm going to spend my time, which is why you're going to hear me say this a lot, which is why I want to ask you to be a part of Catalyst. Catalyst is our discipleship um, the group that we do around here, and we're getting, to start, getting ready to start it again here in the fall. It'll start the week of uh, September 17th, Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Because one of the things that's so important, I think, is that you have to grow in your faith. One of the visions and missions that we have as a church is to take you from where you are to where God wants you to be. 
And there's an intentional movement of that needs to happen. And for so many of us, our faith life is kind of a hodgepodge of things. It's kind of like going to school and you go to first grade, but then you skip second and third grade, and now you're in fifth grade, but you don't know what you missed in second and third grade. And now they're talking about things, expecting you to know what you were supposed to learn in second and third grade, but you don't know those things. And so Catalyst is our way to try to help you incrementally grow in your faith. And it's broken into three parts. Find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And so I want to ask, this is a big ask from your pastor here. I want to ask you to be a part of Catalyst. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, all the fall. There's a part one and a part two and a part three. And part of Catalyst, what we'll do, we'll spend time, especially in Catalyst 2, helping you discover your personal purpose. As a matter of fact, this was the number one topic that you chose from that survey. How do I discover my purpose? And so we're going to talk about here this fall in our Sunday services, but practically speaking, you, just, you need to really dive into it, and we'll do that very practically speaking in Cal. So I want to ask you to be able to do that. Psalms 39, verse 4 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. And so we need to learn to live our lives with a sense of urgency and a sense of purpose. That's number one. Number two, put first things first. <laughs> put first things first. Remember, you got all these things that are straining and pulling you, causing you to do, forcing you to do these different things. And so you have to have this value and this foundation. Put first things first. Because there's a lot of things that you can do. And there's a lot of things that are gonna, people are going to try to get you to do. How many know that to be the truth? There's just so many things, especially here in the fall. All of you who are parents, you're getting all the emails and all the letters and all the things that your kids are involved in. You've got to do this and you've got to do that, and everything costs money, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, this is what this season is about. And so there's all these things that are going to be pulling at you, but we, and they're going to create stress in your life. And that's why we have to learn how to put first things first. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. So there's the big picture. That's the big prayer that every one of us need to be, pr be praying. But the question is, okay, how? What, 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 how do I do this? Well, Jesus gave it to us very specifically in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first, what? His kingdom and what? His righteousness. And then what's going to happen? All these other things are going to be given to you as well. Look what he's saying. Get your first things first. When it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your time, put first things first, which means I need to put God first in my finances. So I need to give him my tenth, my tithe. Every 10% that comes into, the first 10% that comes into my bank account, I give that back to God. I establish that God has order to my finances, not me. Not my wishes, not my wants, not my bills, but I'm putting first things first. I get my finances in order, and that's why I give my 10%. In addition, I need to give God my first from my time. So I give him my first, the first of my day, and I give him the first of my week. You know what? Congratulations, you're doing it right now. You're giving God your first of your week. This is why we do church, folks. This is not a religious right or obligation, but what you're doing, you're putting your time first things first. This is the first of the week, and you're giving God his, the first of, of your time. Do it every day. Every day, God, just give God your first. 
Read your Bible, pray, spend that time, put some worship music, something like that. As you're, as you're drive, driving, it will help your drive if you put some worship music on. It will help you out just a little bit. Let me just say from experience. <laughs> so put first things first. And then here's number three. We need to keep, I need to keep my heart set on heaven. I need to keep my heart set on heaven. In other words, you need to lower your expectations of earth. Did you hear me? I need to lower my expectations of earth. Because I think for so many, earth becomes this thing where it's so great and so grand. But you need to understand earth was never intended to be heaven. There's nothing perfect about this. I understand we live in Texas, which is the greatest state in America. And I understand we live in the hill country, which is the best part of Texas. Right? But this still isn't heaven, folks. This is still isn't heaven. Everybody turn to David over here. Tell David, this is not heaven. Come on, tell him, this is not heaven. All right? I'm sorry to burst that bubble for you guys. As great as this is, this is not heaven, and nothing about this place is perfect. But I'm telling you, if you have the expectation that everything here on earth is going to work out, whoo, talk about stress and strain. Because here is the thing. When someone dies, if you have the expectation that everything's going to turn out, when someone dies, it's going to shake you to the core. When you lose your job or when you don't get that job you apply for, it's going to mess you up. And when the economy tanks or there's no gas in the gas stations, it will overwhelm you with fear and panic will strike you. It's what happened this week, folks. Panic struck people's hearts. I mean, there's not a crisis of gas. But boy, was there a crisis of gas. Because people panicked, right? When we have the expectation here on earth, when we have these high expectations of what earth is going to be, it's going to create all of this stress. But I'm telling you, when your heart is set on heaven, then you'll know that nothing, nothing on this earth is perfect. And boy, it's great when it goes well. It's great when we experience these wonderful things. But everything here is temporary. It's fleeting. And what I, I, I'm, I'm concerned with is that I think our generation and the generations that are younger are losing this point. My grandparents' generation understood this. Your grandparents' generation understood this. The, the songs that they would sing in church were all about heaven. They were all about, why? Because World War I, World War II, life was difficult. But you know what? Life's good right now, isn't it? Life's great right now. We are so blessed as a nation. And as a result, you can forget. You get your focus and attention just on right here and right now. And you forget that this is still temporary. How many of you remember the song, I'll Fly Away? The old hymn? Some glad morning when this life was over, I'll fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away in the morning. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. When the shadows of this life are gone, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. I'll fly away 
Oh, glory, I'll fly away in the morning. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days, and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. That's what our grandparents and our great-grandparents' generation, this was the heart and soul for how they lived. Their, their focus wasn't just on now. It was on something that was greater, something that was yet to come. Listen, folks, this earth is not your home. There's nothing perfect about this place, and I say it all the time, that you're not a human being who's trying to have these spiritual experiences, but you are a spiritual being, and this is simply a temporary human experience that you're having. And so we've got to change our focus, lower your expectation. That's why the Apostle Paul said, are you stressed? 2 Timothy 4, verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. But outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I always laugh when I hear that sentence in, the, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, light and momentary troubles. If you know Paul's life, he was imprisoned, he was flogged, he was stoned and thought to be dead. He, has, he was shipwrecked three times. And he goes on and on about the list of the pains and hardship. But yet he says these light and momentary troubles. How do you get to that place that you call being flogged, beaten to death, stoned? How do you call that light and momentary troubles? Look what he says. Verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. He said, we got to shift our focus. Change the focus of what you look at and how you see life and how you see earth here. Jesus said the same thing when his disciples were all stressed out and they came to him. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So, folks, in this world, you're going to have trouble. I mean, I don't want to be the bearer of that bad news for you here this morning, but let me just say it's a reality check. As great as Texas and this hill country is, as great as the United States is, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have stress. But you can have that ultimate joy, the blessed hope, when you fix your eyes, not on what is seen, not on the things here on the earth, but on the things of eternity. That's what Jesus was saying here. See, folks, Jesus offers us more than a better now. He offers us a better place. And that's why the most important question you need to be able to answer is always, are you ready to go to that place? Because this life is just like that. It goes by so fast. Eternity is what we're aiming for. If you would, I want to ask you to just close your eyes here, if you would, please. Because maybe this morning you're realizing that you've got your life completely out of order, and you're stressed out, and for some of you, your finances are out of order. For some of you, your time is what's out of order. And the reason is because you're not living with a sense of purpose. You're not putting first things first, and you've been putting your focus and attention on the things of this earth, the things that are going around you, those loud voices and those loud things are going on around you. 
and not the things of heaven. And it's messing you up. You're stressed. You're not sleeping well. You're full of anxiety and fear. And maybe depression is even crashing in on you like wave after wave. And, and so maybe for some of you, it starts with putting God at first in your life. Your focus has been on you and this earth and what you can get out of this earth. And maybe God in heaven has just been an afterthought. But maybe today, you're feeling God's tugging at your own heart. Maybe even today you're feeling that shift going on where your focus has been so much on the temporal, so much on the things that are so right in front of you, but maybe you feel and you can sense God stirring something in you. And, and maybe for you, you've never really put God first in your life. Maybe that's never happened or maybe at one point you did and you realized that you've been falling away from God. But today you're feeling it that he's drawing you back. Remember that Jeremiah 6 verse 16 verse, it said, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Stand at the crossroads of your life and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask for the good way. And then walk in it. And you'll find rest for your souls. I think God is speaking that really to every one of us here this morning. And I think there's a reordering that needs to happen. I think there's a thing that we need to make sure we get first things first here this morning. So all over this room, I want to ask you just to pray this prayer after me, if you would. Say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, today, as I stand at this crossroads of my life, I choose you. I choose your ways. I choose your plans for my life. I choose to put you first in my life. I choose to put my focus on the things that are eternal. And so today, I commit my life to you. God, you said that anyone who calls in the name of Jesus will be saved. And so I'm calling on you, and I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins, to take my place, and I believe you raised him from the dead. And so now I'm asking that you would raise me up, that you would fill me up with your spirit. Help me to get my time in order. Help me to get my finances in order. Help me to stop just living for myself and for the things of this earth. And help me to live my life with an eternal perspective. I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you, in Jesus' name, amen. As we end here this morning, we're going to take communion here together. And I love this, that Jesus gives us a very physical thing to do with our faith. So often, I think faith becomes something very intangible, and 
and what is that step? Well, communion is one of those steps because when Jesus set this table for us, it really is a question for us. And I say this all the time, and I think we forget it, and that's why I repeat it all the time, that this table was set with a question because Jesus said, I give you my life. I give you my life. Will you give me yours? This is the table where we answer that question. When we take the bread, we take the wine, when we take that, we say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. And I, in turn, give you my life. Not my will, but your will be done. That's, this is the answer to that question. The Bible describes for us that the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after the supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. This is why you don't ever have to have the stress of your unforgiven sins being a weight in your life. You don't have to carry the shame and the guilt of unforgiven sin because Jesus forgives you. This is what he did. He, he has already forgiven you. You just need to answer the question. Will you give him your life? Here at One Chapel, we do this in open communion, which means this. You don't have to be a member of this church to take communion. This is not a table that we set. This is something that Jesus sets. And so I invite you to be a part of this. And just like we prayed, if you, if you, that was your very first time to pray that prayer, this table is set for you. And I want to encourage you to be able to answer that question here today. There's a table set in front of each of the sections. So how we'll do this is that we'll start from the front row and go to the back. We'll start on the right-hand side and circle around. You'll take a piece of bread, dip in the juice, then circle back into your chair. And then right where you are, you can just take that moment with God and say yes to him. And then we'll go from row to row. Let's do this here together. So I, this is a new song. Um, this has been the song in my heart all summer. And uh, I get a little stirred because I think this is the heart of God for every one of us. And I, I know some of you, you know, you're tired of just going through the motions. You're tired of just doing the same old, same old. There's a stirring that's happening inside of you. And I think it is the Spirit of God pulling us because there's so much more that He wants to do. And so I want to encourage you, don't, as you launch into this fall, don't just go through the motions, but really dig, push, because there's something that God wants to do. And I know Logan was kind of making fun of it earlier on for this 21 days of prayer, but I don't care whether you're here in this building, just pray, just pray, seek God, get at the beginning of your day. These things, we put these things up on the wall, um, these are ways to just kind of focus our prayers in early morning when you're trying to stay awake. And, but I want you to do your, do your own prayer. If you're not here, do your own prayer wall and, and begin to pray and seek God and begin to proclaim and declare. We're doing on Facebook Live every morning, 6.30 during the week for a couple minutes just to kind of get you launched in it and on Facebook Live you can get to it at any time during the day. But I want to just push it just a little bit because there's more that God wants to do. 
There's more that he wants to do. I want you to start hungering and thirsting for that. Please take one of these, invite somebody with you to church. Bring them to church with you next Sunday. Remember, 9.30 and 11.30. Also, if you aren't already on Team One, which is how we serve, how we do church, it's not just about me, it's not just about Hayden. We do this thing together. Every piece makes this work. If you're not already on a team, please stick around. We have lunch prepared for you. We're gonna have a fun time upstairs. Do that. We want you to get an, a part of a team. I wanna invite you to be a part of a team. Um, connect before you leave here this morning. If you would stand up to your feet, I wanna just speak a blessing over you as we leave here this morning. Why don't you grab a hold of the person's hand, if you would, please. And even as I'm speaking this blessing, why don't you just also pray for them and speak and declare that blessing over them as well. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next week, 9.30 or 11.30. God bless you.